0: Nostalgia's like uh, a beautiful cherry on the icing of my relationship with football. Like, a lot of my relationship with football is active and in the present tense. But nostalgia is like a really fun... Um, sideline to dip into from time to time like I'm going to watch all Eric Cantona's goals or I'm going to think about how good David Beckham was in the 98-99 season Um, or I'm just going to think about Dwight York for 20 minutes you know it, it is a kind of optional extra on the real lived experience of watching football in the here and now
1: that was Paul Ansorge and I'm Joe Devine welcome to Whiteboard Football Extra For the next two episodes of this podcast, the theme is nostalgia. I wanted to find out if nostalgia affects our relationships with football in the same way that it might do with art. For example, it's often said that people develop the strongest bonds with bands or singers in their early teenage years, bonds that will stick with them throughout their adult life. I questioned whether this was the same for football, whether nostalgia plays as big a part in adults enjoying the sport. To discuss this in more detail, I spoke with five people about their relationships with the sport, including journalists Ian McIntosh and James Montague, regular contributor and columnist Paul Ansorge, Premier League photographer and winner of the Premier League Photographer of the 20 Seasons Award, Mark Leach, and his business partner and my uncle, Norwich City fan and part of the committee for the Capital Canaries, Norwich City's fan club in London, Damien Devine. I asked each person about their earliest and fondest memories of the sport, the relationships built around the sport, and whether, as an adult, they still actually liked football. First on the list is Ian McIntosh.
2: My, my earliest memory of football was watching the 1986 FA Cup final, which was Liverpool against Everton and the perfect sort of Cup final. Everton take the lead, Liverpool come back. So you have that kind of, that seesaw, that, um, the, the surprise aspect. Liverpool were actually terrible for about the first 70 minutes and then suddenly turned it on. Um, and then after that, it was the 86 World Cup. So it's pretty much just sitting, cross-legged in front of the telly in my pyjamas on late summer evenings um, just absorbing all of this football Um, and of course you had England who typically started off appalling and then suddenly made it look like they might actually be able to go and win the thing before being turfed out of it by Diego Maradona Um, and after that I don't know it just everything sort of steamrolled I just I couldn't get enough football input Um, it was, I'd just read everything, a match magazine, a shoot magazine, and my dad's old Eagle annuals and, um, Roy of the Rovers annuals, Roy of the Rovers comics, every newspaper I could get hold of. Um, I just, there wasn't any aspect of football that, that didn't interest me. And by the age of about nine or 10, I was kind of a walking, breathing stat machine. um. And so I think it it very much appealed to my geeky side as well. Um, But I didn't actually go to a game until uh, I was about 12 or 13, I think, um, because my family wasn't really a football family. My dad, um, my dad he he was a copper and football to him as he once memorably put it was stopping one group of skinheads from stabbing the other group of skinheads <laughs> and so having having done games and lots of nastiness he really didn't want to take his young child along to it which was you know quite common at the time um so it was a long time before i actually went to watch a game of football before that it was just yeah just absorbing this this
1: incredible new world when you first started watching football, um you mentioned your dad there, was it was it him that you shared the experience with or or was it friends? And I wonder as well if that informed your relationship with your friends or if your friends, you know, informed your relationship with football.
2: Uh no, completely the opposite. For the most part, um my relationship with football was solitary. Um my dad might sort of poke his head around the corner and maybe watch a bit of a game here and there, but he wasn't really um very interested. Um Uh, My mum certainly wasn't, and my sister was much younger than me. Um, So football was very much a a solitary activity for me.
1: And is that the same now? I'm trying to, you know, what I'm uh, asking people, wondering about is if they're watching football either in the same way that they were as a child, or if they were watching it with people, with the same people.
2: I think strangely, it's it's gone back to being a a solitary activity now. Um, From from the age of uh, about. Yeah, 16 it was you know we'd we'd be in the pub on a monday night every night watching whatever game was on um and then that stayed the same way pretty much until i started writing about football for a living when i was 29 um you know you go and watch games in the pub or you go you know used to go barnet with with my mates because that was just up the top of the northern line it was nine quid a ticket i used to go south end um but now that it's it's my job um, and I'm married, and I have a child, and neither of them want to watch football. Um, it has kind of done a, a full loop. It's uh, it's mostly me and my laptop <laughs> watching games <laughs> quietly and uh, and on my own, which makes it sound very sad. But I just want to reassure everyone listening: I'm very happy.
1: <laughs> but this is one of the other. This is one of the themes that's come up with the other people I've spoken to about this, though, is that generally speaking, football seems to be. Uh, best suited uh, to a collective experience so you're either you know in the stadium surrounded by people maybe you don't know or you're watching football with with friends people you do know watching football on your own um Obviously, people enjoy doing it, and people, do, as evidenced by the fact that you enjoy your own life, Ian. That's that's lovely. <laughs> um, but it's it's a very different experience, right? How how do you find it uh, to be different to to that collective experience that we're talking about?
2: I find it very hard to watch football in a collective kind of uh, situation now because I I get frustrated. For me, after ten years of doing this, every single game I watch is. Whether it's conscious or not, it's, it's a form of work. I'm watching it. I want to mm. watch the shape. I want to look out for new players. I know that if I sit down and watch a game for ninety minutes, there's going to be maybe an article that I can get out of it. Um, yep. the, the next time I'm on a football show talking about football, you know, I'm going to draw something from from that game. And now, if I'm in a pub or I'm around a mate's house or there's other people in the room, you, you notice how much everyone talks. You know, football. Can you can watch football on a number of levels, and I think um, uh, a lot of the time people will have the game on, but they'll be talking amongst themselves. They might not even be talking about the game itself while the game's on. And I, I sit there and get a bit frustrated. It's like, everyone, shut up! I'm trying to figure out what the fullbacks are doing.
1: <laughs> um, so so you're, watch, you're watching it as a journalist, right? I mean, yeah. The, my next question is: Do you still like football? Which might seem strange to someone who 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 works uh, in in the industry, but you, from your description there you're watching football as a journalist do you enjoy that or do you what is it that you enjoy there is that is it the journalism is it the analyzing of the game or are you enjoying the football
2: i think ironically given that my role is to provide words to explain situations i haven't got the words to explain how much i love doing what i do um going from you know being a kid just reading absolutely everything about football into being a teenager reading absolutely everything about football knowing that you're so bad at playing football that there's no chance whatsoever even in the event of a nuclear war that you're ever going to play football at any decent level And just wanting so much to be a part of the football world, to be able to dedicate so much time to just hurling yourself into the football world. And then suddenly at the age of 29, having it there, that the more football you watch, the harder you are working. You're not watching football, you're working. It's amazing. It's such a profound impact on my life. I mean, I'm the sort of person who used to play the old, Championship manager, football manager games. And when the fixtures would come up and my team wasn't playing, I would watch one. And I would think to <laughs> myself, I remember sitting there like about 23 and I had a foot on in a tiny room in Archway and Championship manager 2001, 2002. And I'd be clicking games to watch that, that were not my team and thinking, my God, imagine if this was my life. If my life was like looking at the 10 Premier League fixtures and going, right, I'm going to go and watch that one because I think that would be a good one. And then in 2007, I started working for the New Paper in Singapore, and that was literally my life. That was what I did Mm. every week. I picked the games to watch. Um, I watch it in a very different way now. I don't get overexcited. I don't have the the same irrational hatred that I used to have. Um, I tend to be much, much more objective um, but I still love it, and that's that's just watching Do you it ever the... have
1: an emotional connection to, to football now?
2: I've tried to stamp it out as much as possible. Uh, I think in the very early years when I started writing about football, I could occasionally get, I, I, I like Chelsea for example. As a lower league football fan, I'm a Southend fan. As, as a lower league football fan, I like loads of other people were really angry about Chelsea suddenly buying lots of players. And that used to come across in my writing in the first sort of few months. And then I realised mm. what was happening and how the reader doesn't want to know my personal prejudices. They, you know, they I'm I'm in a privileged position of being able to watch football for a living. They want to know what I make of it from an objective point of view. So, um, yeah, I find it very difficult to hate or love. in a weird kind of way um i don't have favorites it's the thing that always makes me laugh people say you know you're biased you've got an agenda it's like one like you you overestimate my influence like there's nothing i have no power whatsoever to push anything Uh, and two like why do you think i care about your team more than any other team um no, that, that's the way I see my role. I see my role as being an objective observer who will sit and watch a game, and if something's bad, we'll say it's bad, and if something's good, we'll say it's good. And unfortunately, you can't do that while you've got personal prejudices or, or preferences, um, or, or at least I can't. I'm sure I'm sure some people can, but I I find it a bit more difficult. So that was a very long rambling answer,
1: um, but yeah. Well, I've got one one final question, um, and I, I appreciate some of these are. Uh, not uh, the, the easiest to answer without uh, you know a little bit of forethought. But what I'm really interested in there is is you say that you know you've tried to sort of stamp out a, an emotional connection to the football that you're watching. You watch it as an objective observer. You're writing about it. Um, if there's no emotional connection to football, what what is it that you like about? Fo- what do you like about football? Is my be- I know it sounds like an absurd, really simple question, but I don't, I don't understand.
2: Um, the, it, it works for me on two levels, um, one that you enter this gigantic sprawling epic which began long before you were born and will continue hopefully long after you die, and everything is interconnected the clubs, the players, the managers everything has strands weaving across it's you know people get into Game of Thrones or Lord of the rings it 's bigger than all of that that there is so much that has already happened, you'll never get to a point where you know absolutely everything. You are immersed in this living, breathing, evolving, epic story. So that's one. That's quite a good one to start with. <laughs> but the other one is that outside of all the bullshit, outside of all the spats and you know newspaper battles and new kit launches and whataboutery, outside of all of that, just being able to sit there and watch 11 blokes come out and one's side and 11 on the other and you can smell the grass and you can hear the crowd and then the whistle blows and off it goes and you know through years of experience that anything can happen it probably won't like you know probability suggests that the better team is likely to win but anything can happen it could be a complete shock it could be a complete thumping it could be the worst football match you've ever watched once you strip (laughs) away all the bullshit having that one battle that one 90 minute game Um, that's, that's still, that still excites me as much as it did when I first started
0: watching. I think most of my fondest memories come from maybe a a bit on average, a bit later than most people. So I didn't grow up in a family where football was important at all um my parents were divorced uh, I lived with my mum she she loves football but only in a you know in a kind of entertainment way like to sit down and watch a match rather than to be kind of invested in a team or anything like that um my dad doesn't even really like football like doesn't hate it or anything but it's just not his thing um so so football was like a peer group thing for me which I I I, I absolutely loved it from when I was really little but it was it was my thing in my family I didn't have brothers and sisters growing up so I had um a best friend who was a complete football obsessive um and co-host of uh, you know internationally beloved Manchester United podcast the rankcast um, <laughs> um but the uh like I had posters from shoot on my walls and stuff but my my fondest memories of football are from my sort of late teenage years which funnily enough coincide with man united being brilliant um like my i i always loved united even when they were terrible there's this 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 game uh tottenham 3 man united 3 from i think 1986 which is like this kind of um it like the proto-football match in my head. It was just end-to-end. I think United might have gone 3-0 down and come back to 3 all in the second half. But it was just absolutely a thrilling game of football. And I happened to have it taped on VHS because it was like a rare live match um, on British television at that time. And I watched that over and over and over again. So, So that's kind of the one really early game that I loved. Oh, and the other thing is, of course, like outside of club football... I was completely obsessed with the World Cup as a kid, Um, so the 1986 World Cup is definitely right up there for me in uh, fondest early childhood memories. When France beat Brazil in the quarterfinal of that World Cup, it was just... It was electric, especially since I think it happened after England had lost to Argentina and that had been so sort of painful. But then I had this like backup plan of, oh, my mum's French, so I get to support another team as well. Woo-hoo. Uh, and then that ended badly in the semi-finals. Well, anyway, that's a long rambling answer to your question, Joe.
1: Well, you, uh, you sort of uh, have kind of answered my second question already as well in reference to your podcast co- co-host Ed. When you first started watching football, um, I was going to ask you if you remember who you shared that experience with. For a lot of people, uh, it can be a parent, for example. It sounds like with you, it might have been with friends. Um, do you think that that informed your relationship with that person or with the sport itself or vice versa? And also, um, is that different now if that's no longer the case? And that's interesting because I imagine that you probably still do watch uh, Manchester United games with Ed.
0: Well, um, my first football-watching memory is watching the 1985 FA Cup final, uh, and that I watched on telly with my dad, although he, I remember the goal going in, and my dad definitely wasn't in the room when the goal went in, so he was obviously like, doing something else instead. Um, but yeah, I, I uh, didn't so much watch football with Ed as... Um, like experience it with him because really watching football was hardly even a thing when I was a kid there just was one match on a week which you would watch match day was on like way past people's bedtimes and it was well complicated to set the timers on video recorders if you had video recorders so like but but playing football in the garden and pretending to be Brian Robson or like you know if it was the summer Gary Lineker um, that would be that would be something that I experienced with Ed, and and I guess I'm in a really unusual situation in that the person I most experienced football with as a child is someone who's intrinsically linked to my experience of football now. Like we don't watch games together because we don't live in the same city, but we do forensically analyse them for hours on end to the varying degrees of entertainment of the listeners.
1: And is that the, do you think football is in some ways the you know one of if not the basis of of your relationship with your friends like that?
0: Yeah, I mean, definitely it the the thing is like a lot of my closest friends in real life uh aren't really football people, so it is like a specific um there but there are relationships in my life which are heavily linked to football and my childhood best friend like I was joking, I, I put the plug for the podcast in as kind of a joke, but, you know, I do a podcast about the team we both love with my childhood best friend. That is amazing. Mm. And and there's no way we would have the same closeness of relationship that we have now without football because, you know, we live in different cities, he's got a family, we've both got jobs. It's like, you know, to sort of spend an hour and a half or two hours every week chatting with each other that's something we wouldn't do if it wasn't for the kind of structure of what football gives to our lives, which I guess for a lot of people is like you still go to games with with people that you wouldn't otherwise see that often, and you know that kind of thing.
1: So, what does that mean then? That if. You know, you weren't gonna watch the football or, or for whatever reason you, you chose to stop watching football, how would that affect your relationship with Ed?
0: Well, I think the first thing is there'd be like a real awkward conversation about our podcast. <laughs> That'd be like I think he might be a bit upset if I was like, Oh, I've given, I'm giving up football now. Um so we can't do this thing that's like But beyond that, what would you would you, would you have stuff to talk about? Would oh, your relationship yeah,
1: we'd... still be yeah. a relationship?
0: Yeah, of course. Like we talk about politics and family and all and culture and you know, art and all that kind of stuff. And when I say art, I mean sitcoms. It sounded, it sounded really highbrow, but I just want to be absolutely clear that I'm I am talking about streaming television services, not not the tape modern.
1: Because one of the one of the reasons I'm interested in in this question and finding out more about people's uh, interest in football and what role maybe nostalgia plays is that um, I have an idea. That it doesn't sound like it applies to everyone, and what what's interesting about the process of of recording these podcasts and talking to people like yourself, Paul, and the other people I've spoken to, um, is that I think the idea might be more based on my relationship with football uh, than it is on anybody else's, and that I may have unintentionally assumed that everyone is the same <laughs> as, as me. Um, <laughs> but what the the idea that I had, uh, and I'll go back to the you know, the thing about music is that when you know when you're a teenager you develop bonds with these bands that s- stay with you forever and you have a sort of generation of music and i wondered if the same applied to football and if you know as people grow up that the the reason that they enjoy football changes and maybe it's as a result of relationships that they have that are linked to the sport um, maybe it's just a different way of enjoying the entertainment you know it's purely the aesthetic or or if you're really interested in the tactics or something um because i feel like you know when i was a child my interest in football was very was very different uh, and it was it was very thrilling and it was this kind of collective exciting thing which i don't really experience now and so the idea i had was that perhaps people uh, who are a little bit older who like football and watch football still perhaps part of the reason that they do that is because they remember that they once loved it
0: the thing is I like football more now than I've ever liked football by miles and I'm way more engaged with it than I've ever been by miles because when I was a teenager, I, when I was a little kid, I, I loved football in a kind of abstract because I didn't grow up in the city of the team that I supported. so I didn't regularly go to games. It wasn't a family thing, but I loved like playing football on the playground and was kind of obsessed with it in that sense and sticker albums and that sort of stuff. When I was a teenager, I was listening to music and growing my hair, and you know, I. I but I really liked football too, but it was a kind of like it was one of the hobbies that I liked in my life. But now I've kind of got myself into a position where football is is a massive part of my professional life, so there's never been a time that the irony is like the post sir alex ferguson era is the era in which i've most closely followed man united not that I, mm. you know we started the podcast in 2009 so since then i was kind of watching every single game without fail um but really since i started writing about it and doing films and stuff that was you know that's a that's a that's been the last three or four years and that's when I've been kind of like, you know, following social media about football and all that stuff. So I'm, I'm more into it now than I've ever been really and I, and I like football more than I ever have as well, which is partly because I've finally been able to regularly go to games, which mm. which just wasn't a part of my experience growing up and it has been a part of my experience in the last four or five years. Or 3 or 4 years and I've absolutely loved it it's made me fall in love with football in a completely different way all over again I mean I'd been I'd been to games but it was always like a super exciting outing rather yeah. than a kind of like semi-regular part of my routine um mm. and and so yeah I I feel like nostalgia doesn't really dominate my relationship with football at all I mean listen If you want to have a conversation about Roy Keane and Eric Cantona, I'll get seriously misty-eyed, and, like, one of my favourite things to write, and it's actually something I end up writing a lot for It because we're not necessarily driven by um, trying to write stuff which is extremely current and of the moment in the way that some places are. We're trying to write stuff which has a kind of broader, more long-term interest, and and often that means writing kind of nostalgic things, and, and I love to do that. But I, you know, I also love thinking about Paul Pogba and Henrik Mkhitaryan you know it's the kind of um I, I also think like the technical level of football is just better than it's ever been as well uh, you yeah. go and watch any older football it always like 90s football looks incredibly exciting a lot of the times so you've got two teams just running at each other as fast as they can um but anything before that really even like in the 80s there's there's just a very different field to games. The pitches are no good, and you know, so I mean, culturally, football's obviously a mess in 2017, and and you know, the the money thing is a massive problem. But equally, there were massive cultural problems in football from its origins. There were you know industrialists exploiting the working class for profit, and you know all that kind of stuff. It's not it's not new that football's had its murky side. Um, although perhaps that's murkier than it's ever been. But, you know, um, yeah, no, the, the, the short answer to the question is I still absolutely love football.
1: It's interesting that you talk about the, the crowd experience and, and about uh, going to live games uh, when it perhaps previously wasn't something that you regularly did. Um, and I wonder whether that's something that is going to affect football in the in the coming years as ticket prices seem to you know, be getting more and more expensive, the cost of travel, uh, generally the cost of going to a football game is quite expensive and more expensive than some people can afford nowadays. Um, And that has had an impact on the atmosphere of stadiums as well. Maybe that's anecdotal, but that's certainly what a lot of people would suggest. Um, And I think one of the things I got from speaking to James Montague about this was that football really is a collective experience and that whether that is as part of you know those close relationships, the one that you share with Ed, for example, how football is involved in that and how that benefits your relationship or whether it is a, a sort of a broader relationship with yourself and the fans at a football game. There's something collective about it. Um, a lot of my experience of football uh, is obviously work-related uh, and also is isolated because the vast majority of my friends don't like football and don't watch football. So it's not something that I really take part in socially. Um, I don't play football. Obviously, I have uh, the opportunity to speak to to, to colleagues and friends like yourself and other people who I work with, but I don't really share the footballing experience with them. So when I do interact with football, it tends to be watching it on the telly or on my laptop in my house on my own. Um, And that is, you know, that's very individualistic. That's not part of the collective experience at all. And maybe... Maybe that's why I have this uh, harbouring for nostalgia for a time when I, I did watch football with other people.
0: Yeah, maybe so. I mean, f- for me, one of the things is even when I don't go to games now, it feels like a collective experience because of social media, which isn't a universal positive by any stretch of the imagination. Because oh, it gets tiring and and the kind of knee jerk. Kism and also the just the out-and-out out unpleasantness that happens is, is no good. But there are, like, a core of, you know, a thousand people, probably, whom I regularly interact with um, during games who... And that's a lot of people, obviously, who are really fun and pleasant to interact with, and it makes it feel like a collective experience, even when it's an individual experience. And I think that is another reason why I love football more today, and I'm kind of more emotionally invested in it, Um in that sense, is is because like because every game I watch, even when I am watching it on my own at home, there is a social component to that experience.
1: A lot of the people I'm talking to about this as well are, are journalists, like yourself, um, and so I wonder uh, if you think your work has had an impact on the way you feel about sport. You've mentioned already that you have the opportunity to go to the football a lot more often. You analyse it much more closely than you have done in the past. Um, sometimes when people work in the you know an environment. Uh, or in the industry of something that they used to really like as a hobby that can negatively affect the way they feel about it. How, how is it? how has it worked out for you?
0: Well, the the thing is, first of all, I'm definitely not a journalist. Like, I'm a columnist, which is a completely different thing. It's um, it, I'm not breaking news stories. I'm not developing relationships. I'm writing analysis, which uh, that is just how my brain works anyway, so, like, if I wasn't writing this stuff down, I'd still be thinking it. So, that doesn't make me like football any less. In fact, like I said, the, the and and a lot of it has been going to games not for work, uh, although I have done that regularly as well. And that has even more like made me love going to games because then you get to go to the press conference. Like I, I went to so many during during Van Haal's first seat, second season at United, and it was just fascinating having a front row seat to that. Um, yeah. And that you know th- that was an incredible experience, which which definitely added this whole nother dimension to to my experience of, of football. But like last season, I kind of went back to going just going and sitting in the stands a lot, um, and I really love doing that too but no working in football definitely makes me like it more because I spend more time thinking about it but I'm in a really fortunate position which kind of means that I this you know it's the kind of like uh, getting a job in a chocolate factory kind of thing makes you start to hate chocolate it's that it's that feeling but I don't get that because football is my part-time job So it isn't kind of everything I do all day, every day, so I don't get completely saturated with it. I'm writing, you know, four or five articles a week um, and doing, you know, a a podcast and a few video appearances. And, you know, it's not overwhelming by any stretch of the imagination. So it is just like a slightly overdeveloped hobby, basically, for me. Which is, obviously, that's super personal um, and super specific, but yeah it means that there isn't there isn't any of that downside of like oh no not football again sort of thing i mean i have to say sometimes when united are terrible you think and there's like a, a kind of really dull like game against somebody and you know it's especially during that van hal season when you kind of know the football's going to be awful there was a kind of sense of ah, here we go again about the whole thing but that was about specifics of circumstances that wasn't about football the sport
1: paul thank you very much for your time
0: you're welcome joe as always